going in, I was like, this is going to be related to audio, to podcasting. That's my brand. That's what I'm doing. And from the first time I sat down to write, it was not about that at all. This is Creator Habits, the show that looks at how creators build their audiences one day, one follower, and one habit at a time. I'm Alina, your host, a startup founder turned content creator and indie maker. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, we talk to Jeremy Enns. While Jeremy might be primarily known for podcasting, this episode, we dive into how his daily writing habit and newsletter have actually influenced all of the creative products he's produced. We also talk about the difference between strategic content and exploratory content and how to fit in growth tasks in your weekly routines. Finally, we discuss what it's like maintaining creator habits as a digital nomad. This is a fun episode for anyone looking to balance multiple forms of content and the routines associated with them. So welcome, Jeremy. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on, Alina. Like you mentioned, my name is Jeremy Enns. I have a podcast production and marketing agency called Counterweight Creative, which I've been running that for about five years. And then in the past year or year and a half, I started an education branch of that business, which the primary flagship course is called Podcast Marketing Academy. And then I also write a newsletter called Creative Wayfinding, which I still don't quite know a year and a half in what it's actually about. I (laughs) can't quite articulate what it is, but uh, I feel like that's the thing, the North Star that kind of like takes me on to whatever kind of future endeavors I I find my way into. And, And really that my best description right now is that it's the blend of like the inner and outer journeys of a creative and how do you actually navigate this when there's no roadmap and you might not even know where you're going exactly. So, you know, how do we make decisions that are taking us closer to, you know, where we ultimately want to be? I love that. You know, I would love to ask, you've been podcasting for quite a while. And on one hand, it sounds like writing this newsletter is a more recent journey, but I just wanted to hear your background in terms of writing itself. So this is a very timely question, actually, because I am back in Edmonton, Alberta, where I grew up uh, visiting my parents. I travel full time and have for the past five years. Every time I come back, I go through all my old stuff and it's stored at my parents. And recently, this time, I had never come across this box before, but it was stuff my parents had kept from elementary school. And I remember that my mom has always said that she thought I would be a writer one day since I was like two years old. She always says like, oh, you were talking in full sentences when other kids were like just starting to talk. And then in this box that I was going through, there was just all these stories from, you know, they're kind of terrible stories, but I kind of amazed myself looking back that I was like writing these fictional stories as a kid and they were one or two pages long and I have no memory of any of these. So it seems like the seed has been there for a long time and I've kind of uh, blogged off and on throughout the years in kind of fits and starts but it's really only been since January 2020 I started a daily writing habit and then March 2020 I started the newsletter and so that's I've been taking it a bit more seriously and, and regularly. What was the impetus for you starting that at first daily writing habit? Yeah you know I, that's one of the things I'd heard people talk about. And I think at that point specifically, I had gotten really into Seth Godin's work, his podcast and books and was binging them like crazy. And obviously, he's probably the most famous daily blogger uh, has something like seven or 8000 posts um, that has just been daily for, you know, decades now, probably, there was something about the new year was coming around. So I was like, Okay, January 1st, I'll start this. And 
basically that kept up for, I think I did pretty much daily for seven or eight months and then started uh, focusing on uh, still writing every day, but not publishing every day. And so working on longer form pieces and I came back to daily writing and publishing later on. And now I'm kind of back somewhere in between. I mentioned before I have a course podcast marketing academy. Basically I wrote that all out as daily blog posts before ever creating it and publishing it as a, a paid course. And so the ideas all came out of that. And I just gained so much confidence. And I felt like when I was on consulting calls with clients or anything, like I already knew the answer to every question because I'd written about it and I knew how to phrase it and articulate it and work through any you know questions that they might have because I already knew all that and had thought about it in a you know somewhat intentional way, which I think that's the only way to write really. Absolutely. I've heard the advice many times that you know, writing is the vehicle for clarity. And even the best podcasters, what they're really doing is rehashing what they've yeah. written. Yep. Yeah. That's, I was actually just on a consulting call the other day with a, a copywriter. She's just starting a, a new podcast and she was kind of wondering like, you know, what should I be doing for the podcast? And I told her like, you know, I think as a writer, you you are in a great position because I think the best podcasts, like you look at anything NPR, like it's all it's all text at some point too. They do the the interviews and the recordings, but then it all gets transcribed and they edit as they would writing. And so I think a lot of podcasters could benefit by doing more writing because it helps with your structuring and articulation and phrasing and all of that kind of stuff brings a lot more kind of uh, integrity and structure to it. I actually remember hearing an anecdote about Derek Sivers. I don't know if, you, mm -hmm. if you're familiar with him. Yes, I am. For those of you listening, he's an entrepreneur and musician turned writer who's written books kind of around entrepreneurship and just general life lessons and advice. I think he has a, a process for being a podcast guest where he asks them to send him all the questions in advance and he will write out essays on each question. So he knows when he goes on the interview, I know what I think about this. And that, I thought that was such a like, wow, okay, that's a lot of effort to go into it. But he's also one of the best podcast guests I've ever heard on every show I've, I've heard him interviewed. And it, I think he's a really thoughtful guy and that kind of comes through with that like rigor he brings to, you know, what he is committing to tape and recording and putting out into the world. It sounds like in many ways, just going back to your writing practice and, and starting out with that daily writing habit, it sounds like not only did that lead eventually to the course that you now teach, but obviously it also led to your newsletter. And I'm, I'm curious in that process of writing, how did you start to hone in on what your newsletter was going to be about and kind of what that format would be like. Yeah. <laughs> so the first issue, now it's called the Creative Wayfinding Newsletter. And initially it was going to be called the Listen Up Newsletter. And I thought it would be related to podcasting. And it, it actually was the Listen Up Newsletter for maybe a year, probably over a year. Going in, I was like, this is going to be related to audio, to podcasting. That's my brand. That's what I'm doing. And from the first time I sat down to write, it was not about that at all. That was my intention. And I just, it that's not what came out at all. And it never did. It, it's interesting because I have tried starting newsletters many times in the past, and they've always been strategic. Um, I've tried to start, I've started podcasts in the past that have been strategic. And, you know, all of those have been valuable in some way, more personally to me than probably to many other people, especially the newsletters who not that many people signed up for or read or anything like that. Some of the podcasts I've done have been appreciated by other people and built audiences. But for me, like the newsletter was just a purely personal thing. And I think it I think one of the through lines is it's like I'm writing what I need to hear myself. It's like a, a reminder as a creator of this thing that I know to be true, but I'm ignoring or 
you know, something like that, where it's it's kind of like, I know this is the best thing for me, and I keep ignoring this, so I'm going to like write it down and commit to it, and probably somebody else needs that reminder too. And so I, it's been very like weekly inspired. I This week will be issue 76, I think, and I feel like I'm getting clearer on it. I feel between issue 50 and 75, it's really started to gain momentum in my mind about like, okay, what's actually the through line here? And I think there's just been like little pieces that have fallen into place and you, you need to collect enough data and get enough kind of data points to start even connecting the through line and seeing what ties them together. And I don't know, we've had conversations before about starting with a strategy in mind and understanding what it's for and who it's for. And that's great and an important part, especially if you're like doing content for a business where you like need to get clients out of it or something like that. But I, I kind of feel like, Everybody needs some just purely exploratory piece of content to discover what they think. And that's going to be a long-term thing that will probably pay off one day, but is probably not for like two or three or five years. And so I kind of feel like that's where I'm at. Like I'm a year and a half in, things are starting to get clearer and the clearer they get, the more I'm able to lean into it. And I feel like the more momentum will build that way. But I also, I'm not putting any expectation on it, earning money or anything like that. So it's kind of just like, well, we're just going to see what comes out of this and looking back after a hundred issues or something. And even now I'll be able to see like, okay, here's the themes I'm actually playing with here. And with a little bit of perspective and distance I can see. And then once I see that, then I can go deeper on those things. I, I've been wary of, of putting too much expectation and it becoming a chore that I don't want to do, which is kind of right now, if nobody reads it, I'm still happy to write it and excited about it. I love that approach and that thinking around it, because I actually think that that will resonate with a lot of people. It resonates a lot with me. Funny enough, I too started the create a newsletter around audio and I just found myself pulling my hair out, not wanting yeah. to write about audio. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't love audio, just because, you know, I was trying to talk about industry news and yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what I really want to write about is <laughs> things that I'm trying to figure out in my own life right now. <laughs> Which like in this case now are like habits and and that has been very fun for me. But I think that quite a long period of time when you're creating content is just about experimenting and making sure that whatever you are doing is actually going to be sustainable for you, that you're sustainably engaged with the topics is is really powerful. And I think more people should talk about that. Yeah. The interesting thing that the newsletter has shown me is I tried to start a podcast maybe six months after starting the newsletter. And well, I, d- I did start a podcast and I kept it going for 30 episodes in six months. And I realized that both were like competing to be like primary pieces of content. Like they were both kind of flagship content offerings in terms of production quality and time that they took me. And I the, the clear distinction, the podcast was very strategic for my production agency to get more clients. And I realized that like, I couldn't have, even though that was probably an important piece, that strategic, you know, content to to funnel people toward my business, I was kind of like, okay, I was wrong. I was leaning into a niche that I wasn't personally that excited about. So that was part of the piece. But also, I just didn't have the bandwidth to do two kind of flagship content pieces. And I realized the newsletter is energizing to me and the podcast is not. And so now, since that, that was such a, I had like, almost pulled the trigger on probably a dozen podcasts in the past five years. And this was the one I finally got around to. And the thing that I was afraid of actually happened that I like would pick the wrong thing 
and I wouldn't be able to keep it up and it would be embarrassing for the podcast guy to like start a podcast and then shut it down really quickly. But it was actually the most freeing thing to be able to do that and be like, oh, that wasn't actually so bad. Now it's way easier to start the next thing because I started this thing. The thing I was afraid of happened and it wasn't a big deal at all. And I met, like met a bunch of cool people through it. There were a lot of good things that came out of it. And so now I've kind of adopted this like, okay, the newsletter is my flagship thing that I'm most excited about. I'm going to do that regardless of how many people are paying attention. It's beneficial to me. I don't know that this is true for everyone, but I think all other kinds of content pieces need to be short term, like there needs to be an end point. And so looking at right now, I'm thinking about starting a podcast in the next, I don't know, six months to a year, probably. But looking at doing that in seasons and saying like, I'm just going to do 12 and then maybe six months will go by before I do another season. And I think that that's been a really kind of freeing thought. I feel like I need to be able to do a sprint to like get it done and close the chapter and then open up more time for something else. Absolutely. I think there are many creators who jump around to different mediums. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's notorious in podcasting that you're like, oh, I should also be on YouTube, better yeah. discovery, or, you know, I should also be here or there. And I think that that is interesting and there are reasons to do that, but it is also very important to see what is sustainable and how do you actually scope something so that it's something you want to keep doing. Yeah, and yeah. You, you know, one of the things that's become clear to me with my newsletter is that I think one of the underlying themes is self-awareness and that I'm realizing now for myself over the past year that the more I've learned about myself and like my habits, my, the things that energize me, that drain me, the more information I have about myself, the easier everything becomes. And I can play into that and recognize strengths and weaknesses and work around them and, you know, use them to my advantage or whatever that might be. And I think we're just usually kind of blind to how little we know about ourselves and how, how we operate at our peak level. And so I, I think that writing is great for that too, because it's effectively journaling a lot of times, depending on how you approach it. And so looking at, you know, what makes you tick and how are you most productive? How are you, where do your ideas come from? And just starting to like note these things down. So you almost have them on paper and you can refer back to them and be like, oh yeah, this is how I work. And this is why that project failed because I was trying to do something that wasn't in line with how I operate effectively. Well, I would love for you to share like, how do you come up with ideas? You mentioned that for the newsletter, you're more likely to just think about it the week of. Yeah, take me through just that inspiration to like idea capture loop for yourself. Yeah, so I think that one of the other things about the daily writing habit, and this could be like daily writing on Twitter or daily writing a, I mean, some of mine were like thousand word posts and some of them were 150 words. I didn't have a, a limit that I set myself. Um, uh, you hear this a lot with like a uh, gratitude habit where once you know you have to write down three things, your brain starts looking for them because you've made a commitment that I need to write these three things down at the end of the day. So I need to find them during the day. And the same thing happens with ideas. So I think once, like, like I said before, writing is based on ideas, any kind of creative work is. So if you're going to publish something every day, you need to have one idea at least every day. And so pretty quickly, you'll find like, once you set that commitment to yourself, you start having more than one idea a day. You start having a whole bunch because you're like, well, I need to stockpile stuff because I know probably every day I'm not going to come up with stuff. And this is all subconsciously happening. And so I think in the first six months of the year, since I moved everything into Notion, so I had a nice database that I could see how many ideas I had in my idea capture blog idea uh, capture database, there was like a thousand ideas in six months. And I don't know how many that is per day. I, I looked it up, but I was like, whoa, that is crazy. And you know, usually I'll go through and do a review either weekly or monthly, and I'll go through all the old ideas and I'll rate them. 
on a like one star to five star scale. And I'll only ever really think about writing about like the four or five stars that anything three and below is is not going to get written about. And, you know, the vast majority are like three through one. Like they're they're not that good ideas. I go back and look at them and I'm like, what the hell is this? I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. Like this doesn't make any sense. Or they're just like, no, that wasn't actually interesting. Like I thought it was, but it, no, it's not. And so really it's almost like I've unintentionally built this idea filter. So it, it started with the the writing. And then what I realized on a day to day basis is like, I have pretty much all my ideas when I'm out walking. Like they almost never happen any other time. But as soon as I go walking, I'll, I'll walk for an hour and come up with like 20 different like things to write about or, you know, other stuff for my life or business as well. And so that's one of those like self awareness things where I'm like, okay, I know that's where I have ideas. And that's one of the first things to go when I feel busy and overwhelmed. I like stop going for my daily walks because like an hour is a lot of time and I could be putting that to, you know, whatever I'm working on it and which feels more urgent. And I'm just kind of coming out of one of those phases of like realizing like, man, it is hard to write because I'm not having any ideas and I feel uninspired. And then it's like, oh, yeah, it's because I'm, I'm not doing the thing I know is where my ideas come from. Yeah, it's so common that we don't do the thing that we know fuels us just because it's not as urgent as something else. But I want to switch gears a little bit because I happen to know that you are a digital nomad. And I'm just curious if switching physical locations every few weeks or months also plays into these phases. Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse, which is, is really interesting to observe. And even that I'm aware of it, it's still like the, the pros and cons persist. And so essentially, like, I, I find that habits become really entrenched with a place and then a new place completely disrupts them. And like, it, it happens to all kinds of habits, like creative habits, like flossing my teeth, stuff like that. Like, I, I was like really bad about flossing my teeth when quarantine first started last year. And uh, we were in, in Edinburgh and in Scotland. For some reason, I don't know what, I started like built up the habit and like floss my teeth every day for like a year or something. And then we moved to Portugal after that and immediately it was gone. And I was like, well, I'll get back on it. And it just never came back. And so now it's been like, like a, a, a struggle to get that, that habit back, but that's just, it happens for all these things. And so some things like my writing that has persisted, but it's difficult at the start of being somewhere new. Um, but yeah, other things in terms of like when I take my walk in the morning or how productive I am, or all these different things feel so influenced by place and I'm somewhat aware of a lot of the variables that influence that. I think one of the things that I love, which my partner Kelly hates, is we often get a co-working space kind of before COVID, but I like to get a, a far away co-working space that's like an hour walk away or 45 minutes is probably good because I know that then I have to walk there. There's no other option. I'm going to get my walk in, whether I like it or not. It's just a necessity as part of my day. Whereas when we work at home, it's a decision that needs to be made. Like I need to choose to go out for a walk. And so that's something that I've become, as I become more aware of that, I like thinking about like, how can I build the things I want to do into my day so that they're unavoidable so that I can eliminate the choice of having to do them. And I think a lot of those aren't always possible, but some of them are. So yeah, it's fascinating though, to observe it and like, know that like, okay, these are the habits I want to do. I know it's going to be hard going to a new place. And then even even though I am aware of that, it can still be really hard to carry a lot of those over. Yeah, that resonates with me so much as, as you know, I just moved to Mexico City and there are habits that I've formed and then other habits like cooking all my meals for myself that I just cannot seem mm -hmm. to, 
wanted to get a hold of. So one thing that I wanted to just really quickly touch on, uh, you actually tweeted this out recently, and I thought that this was a really interesting idea where you were talking about maintenance tasks or kind of creation tasks and the fact that they have clear deadlines and processes. And so they get done, you know, you, you get your newsletter, for example, written, and then you started to say, but growth tasks, those often get deferred. And I just wanted to hear like, what are some of your growth tasks and how do you think about them on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. You know, I think this is another thing that I try to not think about on a day-to-day basis actually when you try and think about growth tasks on a day-to-day basis that's when they don't get done because you're like okay i'm going to find some time this week to do this thing and this was in the context of podcasting i think the initial conversation so some of those were reaching out to other podcasters to collaborate with or reaching out to other people to guest on their shows or you know going through your past podcast episodes and consolidating them in themes and creating like pillar blog posts around them like all these types of things that are time consuming probably they don't they never need to happen they need to happen if you want to grow or accelerate your growth, but there's no deadline to them. And it's easy to say like, okay, I've only got an hour left and I'm tired now. Well, okay, I'll just put it off to tomorrow or next week or whenever. And it's just easy to keep booting them down because there's no external accountability from them. And so really it's just you. And so if you have a team, that's maybe one form of accountability, but you know, a lot of us don't. And so in that case, the best way that I found is just blocking that into my calendar. And I think that like the first mistake that I make and I think most people make is putting it in the calendar, but not subtracting anything else that you would normally do then. And so we like add this thing to our calendar, assuming that it will take zero time somehow. Like we know we've already got like all the stuff that happens on a Tuesday, for example, but we're just going to put this thing in here. And then we we get to Tuesday, we do all the urgent things and that's still on our list. It's in our calendar, but it's it's not urgent. It doesn't need to happen. So then we boot it to, you know, whenever the next day, the next week, something like that. So for me, the, the most helpful thing has been time blocking. And one of the nice things, like we've been in Europe for a while. And so having mornings where no clients are online until 2 p.m. or something like that. And so really saying like, okay, this mornings are my creative time. That's when I work on big projects and things that are, are not going to get done probably otherwise. And then afternoons are like email and client work and, and all that kind of stuff that needs to be done. I can't remember which principle or which law it is that the work expands to fill the time you allot it. And that's why I like putting the stuff that needs to be done in the afternoon, because I think it's a little bit more stressful sometimes. But you realize, like, if you put it in the morning, it will expand to take the whole day. If you do the growth tasks, like we're talking about here in the morning, then you only leave yourself three or four hours to do all that stuff that needs to get done in the afternoon. You still find a way to do it. So that's that's been really helpful for me. And then especially for things like if you're pitching anyone, so like sponsorships or um, collaborations or guests for your podcast or guesting on other people's shows, I the thing that's worked for me has been to just set a day and say like, and for me, it is Tuesdays and say like Tuesdays, this task happens. And once you've done it a couple of times, you know how long it takes. So then you can start to say like, okay, well, I need to make space for that. I can't do all these other things. And, you know, Tuesdays from 10 to noon is when I do all my pitching just in a batch and I do all my follow-ups in a batch and it, it just kind of has its own place that it occupies. So I, I think for those, yeah, growth tasks that don't necessarily have deadlines, you need to find a way to set deadlines, but like be, be aware of the roadblocks that are going to like not allow you to, to follow through on them and, and kind of keep that commitment. I love that. I just want to finish us off with just a quick question. What are some of the roadblocks that you find yourself most encountering? Hmm. It's yeah, it's funny because I like 
I think about this regularly and I feel like my answer changes quite a bit from phase to phase. Like right now I'm coming out of almost like having blinders on and just focusing on a product launch and ignoring all the stuff that I know serves me. I, I feel like then it's really hard to get started back into all the other stuff that you know is actually beneficial. So I would say that that's one. Other roadblocks, I feel like I've gotten over a lot in the past. Like I, I honestly feel like writing has helped me get over so many of the roadblocks because I've identified them because so much of my writing is to myself about noticing these things that are holding me up. But one of the things that is a more recent development that I've kind of like got over has been like overthinking and like not making a decision. And really, I think it was that podcast that I mentioned before. Like that was a classic thing where I would think like I... I literally, I'd been thinking about starting a podcast for five years. I've been thinking about creating a course for five years. And really, it was only in the past year and a half that I finally did both of those things, quit one of them. The other one has been, you know, very fulfilling and successful and, and is ongoing. But I think that that is one that I just will want to have all the strategy perfect, be able to like see the end destination and know every single step of how to get there without any, you know, twists and turns along the way before I ever start. And that uh, is one that I'm like... I need to be vigilant of that one, but I think I'm like kind of on the other side of it. Yeah. And as someone who's gotten to watch you do the course and read the newsletter, it's been really amazing because you've done so much in such a short period of time, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's almost like though it was like five years building. And so if you disperse that over five years, it would be like, okay, that makes sense. Well, for people who are listening, how can they follow your journey? How can they get connected? Yeah, so you can uh, find the newsletter at jeremyenns.com slash newsletter. And you can follow me on Twitter at I am Jeremy Enns. Those are probably the two best places to find out uh, about me and everything that I'm doing. And you can find links to, to all my other stuff from there. Yeah, and you can see it in the show notes. Uh, just FYI, Enns is E-N-N-S. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for coming on. Uh, this has been such a wonderful conversation and just such a wonderful insight into how do you not only overcome roadblocks, but also how do you kind of restart and keep experimenting? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a blast. Thanks for listening to Creator Habits. This show was edited and produced by me, Alina Seri, with music by Luke Tyler of Mimobleep. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review our show. It would mean the world.